Good morning. Um, thanks for that introduction. Yeah, so um, I've just been thinking about this morning and was really struck with a question and I wondered, have you ever disqualified yourself from doing something or being part of something because you think that somebody better than you should do it? Um, well, I have done this quite a few times, but I thought of one time in particular years ago, like 20 years ago when I was in work in a different job, but also in a Christian setting. And I noticed one day um, one of my old university lecturers coming in to the place where I worked. And I thought, it's a bit strange. I wonder what they're doing here. And they went in to speak to one of my directors. Um, and it was a little while later, maybe the next day, that I got speaking to this director and I said, what was that person in speaking to you about? And he said, well, they are, they've got an opportunity to work in West Africa with a particular people group. And this people group happened to be mostly Christian. And they're looking for a Christian assistant who has trained in this field. Now there's me sitting there in a little admin job that was definitely not my forever job. And this incredible opportunity just lands on my doorstep. And you would think that I would have gone, well, that has to be me. This is such a God thing. You would think. But actually, what I did was think, what an amazing opportunity for someone better than me. And I let it pass me by to the point where I didn't respond at all. I didn't tell anybody about it and I just let it go. Now you can see 20 years later, I still occasionally think about that and I wonder what kind of adventure did I miss out on? And you know, I may have missed out on a brilliant adventure because of one little insidious thought that told me you're not enough. And you know, I was thinking about how I think lots of us do that all the time, particularly in terms of doing the stuff, sharing our faith, praying for people, maybe praying for healing or, you know, praying for provision, things that we think the super Christians should do and that maybe we just aren't enough and if only someone better than me was available. But you know, that's not what God says, not at all. So I wanted to challenge that thinking a little bit this morning. And right away, God drew me to the passage in Luke chapter 10. And it's really the first 24 verses. Now I'm not gonna read them all, I'm gonna jump into them and pull out a few different verses as we go. But I'd encourage you to have a look at those verses at some point yourself. So let's start with verses one to three. And this is what it says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, at this point, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and his disciples are with him, but clearly there's other disciples with him as well. And as he, is, as he is making this journey to Jerusalem, he is stopping off at different towns and villages along the way. Um, and before he goes into a particular town or village, he's sending a few of his disciples ahead of him. 
And do you know what really, really jumped out to me right away at the start of these verses is that the Lord appointed 72 others. It's that word others that really grabbed me. You know, these aren't the 12. These are not the inner circle people. This isn't the hit squad disciples. These are the others. They're unnamed. We don't hear stories about them other than this. We don't know who they are. But what we do know is that they were following Jesus and Jesus appointed them. And I don't know about you, but I certainly relate more to this than I do to the inner 12, the others. Yeah, that's more like me. I'm one of the little people. I'm one of the background people. I'm definitely one of the others. But you know what? Jesus appoints others. So if that's how you see yourself, if you you see yourself as unnamed, unimportant, one of the little people, I just want to say to you that that is not how God sees you. He sees you as his and one of his followers, and he has a task and a job for you because he has a calling on your life. And you know, Jesus sent them ahead of him. So Jesus was going to visit these towns and meet these people, but before he went there, his people went there. And that also made me think, you know, so often in life whenever someone meets Jesus it's because they've met one of us first so we get the opportunity to introduce people to Jesus we get to say I know Jesus would you like to hear about him and that is lovely that is so lovely that God trusts us with that he lets us go before him so let's not be afraid let's be like the 72 others the lesser known the unnamed disciples Let's be encouraged by this and blessed by this, that you don't need to be one of the big people to share Jesus with those around you. And you know, Jesus also said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And you know, I've heard this verse so many times, and many times over the years, I've read it as a verse about mission overseas. And thought, you know, around the world there are so many people who don't know Jesus. There are still people groups who don't know about him at all. And this verse is really about that. It's about praying that God will raise up people to go and do in other places. But at some point Jesus spoke to me about that. And I realised that I was reading this as a bit of a cop-out. Because I was reading it for other people and not for me. And actually I believe that Jesus is sending us, you know, the harvest here is plentiful and the workers here are few. So even if we think of Carrickfergus, I think there's, what, 24 churches in Carrickfergus? And that's quite a lot of churches in a fairly small town. But even if every seat in all of those churches was full, there's still so many people who don't engage with Jesus in any way, who aren't part of a church, who desperately need to know him. There are people in our own town who are living without hope, who are living without peace, who need to know that there is hope and there is peace. And we carry the love and the light of Jesus and we have an opportunity to share him here where we are. So right here in Carrickfergus, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I love how Jesus said to these guys as they were heading into towns that this was to be their prayer. So for me, there's something in that, that as we speak to people about Jesus, as we live our lives for Jesus, the people we are contacting are actually potential workers that God already has a plan for their lives. 
you know, he has a place for them in his kingdom. And that as we speak to them, that we might see potential in them. We might see God's hand on them. And we might see his calling on their life already. So let's have that kind of faith. Let's believe that God is sending us as workers into a harvest that is plentiful. You know, I'm talking to myself here too. And it brings me back to my initial thought. I wonder if some of us just totally disqualify ourselves from this because we think the workers need to be trained. They need to be, you know, they need to have done the seminars and gone to the workshops and read all the right books. Um, but actually, that's not what Jesus says. And you know, I often think like, who is the best person to speak to my neighbours? Who is the best person to speak to the shopkeepers that I see all the time? Who is the best person to speak to my family? Well, the truth is God has placed me here, so maybe it's me and maybe I need to listen to that and trust God with that. And you know, we do often make things complicated you know, as I said, we can think we might need to get a bit more training or we might need to be, a, maybe you think you need to have been a Christian a bit longer. Um, but it's really quite simple. Truthfully, if you can say healing in Jesus' name, you can pray for healing. If you can say, come Holy Spirit, then you can invite God into any situation and any circumstance. If you can say, bless this woman with peace, then you can pray for peace. It really is that easy. It's not about our perfect effort or our perfect words. It's about our perfect God. So here's an example. I was at the bank. It was a few months ago and um, it wasn't a great day. It was a bit drizzly. Um, but it was, there were just too many people in the bank, so I had to stand outside and wait, and it made me slightly grumpy. Um, and a lady came along behind me in the queue, and I happened to catch her eye, and just said something like, oh, it's miserable standing out in the rain. And she said, oh, love, that's the least of my worries. So in that moment, I could have made the right noise, and went, oh dear. But something prompted me to say, well, oh no, what, what's the matter? So she, in the queue, outside the bank, like shared a really stressful situation with me that was very pressing on her at that particular moment and I just felt that little well a little prompt from God for me often feels like this little bubble of not sure if it's nerves or excitement but it's this little prompt to go for it say something so we chatted on a bit and I was actually called into the bank and a little bit of me thought oh that's a shame I didn't take my opportunity but as I came back out she happened to be coming out at exactly the same time and we were walking up the street side by side so I just said to her you know I'm a Christian and I often ask God to help me with things that are difficult and I believe that he wants to help you can I pray for you and she just said yeah that would be good um, so there in the street, really simply, I just said, Lord, would you bless this woman with your peace and help her find a way forward? That was it. And in that moment, I didn't see a miracle. She didn't get a light bulb moment, but I did see some tension leave her body and a big sigh of relief. And she just looked at me and said, thanks, love. That's so kind. 
And then I was able to say to her, you know, God cares about every part of your life. He cares about every part of your family. And I believe that he wants you to follow him. Off she went. That was it. It was as simple as that. And I could think like, well, what's the point in that? But actually the point in that is that God put me there in that moment for a reason. And the reason was to bring Jesus to her. I planted a seed. And I believe that when God begins something he tells us when he begins a good work he is faithful to complete it so if I got to be a tiny bit of that woman's story on her way to Jesus well that is so exciting that wasn't difficult I didn't use fancy words all I did was respond really briefly in that moment what qualified me well I know Jesus and I was there that's pretty much it so go for it I would encourage you it doesn't need to be difficult and those little nerves stop us so often, but let those little nerves prompt you into doing something. But you know, sometimes what stops us is we feel like it's a bit of a risk. And Jesus did say in these verses, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, wolves eat lambs, so that sounds a bit risky to me. Um, it does sound a bit scary. And Jesus has warned us that there is risk in sharing our faith. But the truth is, where we live, we are legally allowed to talk about Jesus. We are allowed to worship openly. There are many places around the world where people's lives are actually at risk if they share their faith. And yet many people in circumstances of real danger put us to shame. Um, and what I want to say to us, to, you know, to us today is that while we have opportunity and freedom, we should not be afraid to share Jesus. I wonder what risk looks like for you. You know, maybe when you hear about the Revive team, um, that sounds risky. So Revive is a team in church. We, we've been doing different types of outreach work for the last number of years. And Ian and I are really blessed to be able to, to lead that. And we do ministry on the streets. Um, maybe that sounds really risky to you. Or maybe just talking to a friend that you work with about Jesus sounds really risky to you. Or maybe talking to someone at the bank like I did sounds really risky. And yes, of course, there's risk involved. Someone might laugh at you. They might say no. You know, you might feel like you've failed. Um, but sometimes God does call us to take those little chances, those little moments of risk. And it feels risky when we step outside our comfort zones. And over the years, as I said, with Revive, we have definitely taken some risks. So there, I want to just share one story. Um, so in Revive, we occasionally do a thing called treasure hunting, which is when before we go out onto the streets, we sit in small teams, maybe three or four, and we have what we call a treasure map, which is just a bit of paper with things written on it, like name, um, distinguishing features, place, something God wants to say. And we will just listen to God for these things. Um, sometimes you get one, sometimes you get a page full of stuff. Um, and we head out into the streets with these bits of paper, looking for these particular people. Now, everyone is treasure, so we talk to lots of people as we go, but we're looking for these particular people. And on one occasion, um, Emma Crawford was with us, and she got um, this picture of, or she got the name John, and she got in a hole. Right, so she kind of laughed at it and said, well, it must be a metaphorical hole. I mean, this guy can't actually be in a hole. So, you know, there must be something in his life that is really difficult and he feels like he's trapped in a hole, whatever it must be. 
So off they went. I wasn't with this team and told me about it afterwards. And so off they went and they're walking the streets of Carrick. And as they came round a corner, there were workmen who had dug a hole in the road and there was a man in the hole. So you can imagine um, Emma kind of going, there's a man in that hole. I'm going to go and speak to him. So spurred on by the team, off she went. She walked up to him and said, excuse me, is your name John? And he said, yes. Um, so in that moment, she, the rest of the team came over and they said, can we pray with you? So they got to pray for John in the hole while his workmates gathered round to see what was going on. That was risky, of course it was. And let me tell you, as Emma walked up to that man, her heart was beating. She was, you know, pounding in her chest and she was shaking. And of course it's nerve wracking. Of course it felt like a risk. He might have said, no, my name's not John. So what? You know, really, so what? It's not that big, big a deal if we get it wrong. But God does these things. He does amazing things. Now, it's not like that every time. Of course it's not. There was another time whenever we um, were also treasure hunting and God gave someone the picture of a young person sitting on a wall with a blue hat on. And again, the team went out looking for this person, spoke to a few people along the way. And I think they were actually on the way home and they saw someone sitting on a wall with a blue hat on. So they're like, well, this must be them. And over they went. Well, a couple of them went over and the person just kind of went, no, I'm not interested felt like a failure. They came back and remember them saying, like, we must have got it wrong. But look, we'll pray for that person anyway. And you know, that happens. It does happen. But it must have been six months or a year later, whenever we actually heard from somebody else who was working with that particular person. And they had fed back to our team that on that particular night, they were in not such a great place. And they remember people from a prayer team coming over and speaking to them. And that little moment gave them hope and was a wee turning point in their life. Now, we felt like it hadn't worked. We felt like we had not achieved what we wanted to. But God did. You know, that's the way God works. He works in our failures. He works in the things that just don't feel like they went the way we thought they would. Because God is bigger than our plans. So I just want to say to you, you know, sometimes whenever we plant a seed, it doesn't really feel like that seed has planted or taken root. But God is working. He is working in ways that we often don't see. So Jesus talked about welcome and rejection as well. So if we move on to verses 8 to 11. So Jesus said to the disciples, When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal those who are ill, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, I love how Jesus told these disciples to act when they're welcome, to accept hospitality, spend time with people, minister to them. But I notice how Jesus also very matter-of-factly says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. It's very matter-of-fact. It's very direct. This is not a seminar or a workshop. It's simply heal the sick. 
I wonder how we respond to this. You know, again, I wonder, do we think this is a message for the professional Christians, you know, the big names? Um, I wonder, do we think that the miracle ministries, like instant healing, supernatural provision, deliverance, I wonder, do we think these kind of reside in the hands of the super holy? You know, for me, I think I've spent many years thinking that it's people on big stages or, you know, people who write books and, um, you know, that sell tickets for for conferences, that they're the sort of people that do these things. But Jesus has sent to these others, these unnamed others, to heal the sick and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. That speaks a lot to me about how this is something for us all. You know, as I said earlier, if you can say the words healing in Jesus' name, you can pray for healing. So I think what's modelled here is that we all have a call, that we all have, we all carry Jesus. And often we think that we don't have the authority. We just don't have it. But you know, we do. As followers of Jesus, we have been given the authority to speak and act in the name of the King. We'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But I just wonder, do we live in the light of that? Let's call this out in each other. Let's spur each other on in this. And like the example that I'm I'm speaking about this morning, as Jesus sent these other disciples in pairs, it really helps us when we do this together. And I have to say that for Ian, my husband and myself, that the Revive team, that's a massive reason why we began Revive and we, we stuck at it all these years, is that together, we have a go and it's so much easier when we're there to spur each other on. But you know, they, they, these verses also talk about rejection. You know, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet is a warning to you. So there are times whenever the message of Jesus is just not welcome. And for us, that can feel like rejection. So there's been many times whenever I've tried to speak to someone about Jesus or, you know, I've offered to pray for someone and it just hasn't happened. I have had my fair shares of, no, you're all right, love, or I just don't believe in that stuff or that is not for me. And that's okay. Of course it is. People people can do that. They can say no. But it's about what we do with that. It's about whether we take that on as rejection and let it stop us trying again or whether we actually feel the sadness of that, that, you know, we have offered to share Jesus with someone and they have not had an open heart to Jesus. There's a sadness in that. And that's what we must feel rather than the rejection, personally, of them not wanting to hear from us. Um, so Jesus did warn that there would be rejection but or failure and like like I've shared about that story with the person on the, with the blue cap that felt like rejection that felt like failure but still Jesus was at work in the background doing much more than we were able to see you know I do wonder what where you react when someone says no to you um a little bit later on in verse 16 Jesus says, whoever listens to, to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. So actually what we need to do is grieve when people reject the message of Jesus. Grieve that they are not turning me down. They're not rejecting me. They're actually rejecting the message of Jesus. And that is something to grieve over. And I wonder, do we forget the weight of the truth that we carry? 
You know, if we remember that people really do need Jesus, surely there's no risk that is too great. Surely a little embarrassment or a little rejection or a little flutter of nerves is worth the risk. That's what will spur us on to doing the stuff in proclaiming the good news and praying for miracles if we remember the weight of the truth that we carry. Um, years ago, Ian and I read a book by David Platt called Radical. We actually led a life group on it. And if you are in the mood for being rattled to your very core, then I would advise you to read the book Radical. Um, it is an incredible book. There's so much in that about laying our lives down for Jesus. But just one wee quote that really has stuck with me. Um, so in the book Radical, David Platt says that some professing Christians claim Christ is necessary for salvation, yet they live their Christianity in silence, as if people around them in the world will be okay in the end without Christ. And you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those Christians. I don't want to live my life just thinking everyone will be all right anyway. I have a message. I have a message of hope and light to carry into the world, into Carrick Fergus, to my neighbours, to my friends, to my family. And I want to be ready to share that message whenever opportunity comes along. So I think these verses, uh, this passage also really helps us to stay focused. Moving into verses 17 to 20 then. Um, so it says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So you can see here the disciples, you can imagine them coming back all filled with their stories. You're not going to believe what happened. Like this one was healed and this demon was cast out. And, you know, you can imagine they're really super excited. Um, and I almost feel like Jesus is set responding with a bit of a eye roll and a, you don't say, I've seen so much more than you can imagine. Um, and I actually gave you that authority. But what I, I just love how he brings it right back to what's important. He says, you know, don't rejoice over all of that. Don't rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this is Jesus talking about the fact that they are part of God's family. He has a record of their name, you know, and for those of us who follow Jesus, we are part of God's family. He has a record of our name in heaven and he has made a way for us to have a relationship with him. That's what we rejoice over. That's what's important. That is what really matters. Yes, healing is amazing. Yes, deliverance is amazing. Yes, instant provision is amazing. But what is truly amazing is that, you know, the salvation plan of God, that we can come into relationship with God. That is what is truly amazing. That's what we need to keep our eyes on. And do you know what? Of course, it's really exciting when we hear of healings. I have to say, I have been super excited by the wee glimpses of healing that we have seen. You know, by the, the healed finger 
by the disappearing lump. And by the time that whenever we prayed for a sports team in the middle of Carrickfergus, one of them had tinnitus or tinnitus in his ears. And when we'd finished praying, he said that it had reduced a bit. And I remember just being like, that's amazing. But actually what is amazing is that out of that, we were then able to say, do you know what? That's God working in your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And we're able to go on and talk about God's presence and the call to follow me. That was what was amazing about that encounter. And you know, let's keep our eyes fixed on that. So signs and wonders are incredible, but signs signpost to Jesus. Wonders make us wonder at his power and authority and love for us. So let's keep focused on the main thing. The main thing is that there is a way for us to have relationship with God. Yes, let's go after deliverance. Yes, let's go after miracles. But let's keep our eyes on the fact that all of this is so that God receives glory. You know, there was a time, a day in Carrick, whenever I felt God prompt me to go and speak to a lady and just walk up to her and say, do you have a sore back? I'd like to pray for it. So I walked up to this lady and said, excuse me, I feel like I needed to come and talk to you and ask you, do you have a sore back? I'd like to pray for you. And she said, I'm going in for back surgery tomorrow. And like to me, that was just God's kindness, incredible kindness that he wanted to reassure this lady that he was with her, that he would go into that um, operating theatre with her. She was not healed in an instant on the street when I prayed for her back but I firmly believe that God wanted to meet her that day and give her hope and take away her fear and you know again I have no idea what came out of that but I do firmly believe that God was with that woman in the operating theatre I would love to know how she is now but most of the time we never do know but the truth is I wanted healing in that moment I didn't see it was I disappointed no I wasn't because God wanted more for that lady than just a healed back. He wanted hope for her. He wanted to tell her that he loved her and he cared about her so much that he sent this random stranger to walk up to her in the street and say, I know you have a sore back. That is amazing. And we would love to see more of that. But you know, as I said, those things sound a bit scary. And sometimes even sound a bit complicated, but they really don't need to be. It's just about being available. And if someone says to you, I'm not feeling great, well, why not just take a risk and say, well, can I pray for you? Just go for it. And you never know what opportunities that will open up. You don't know what train of thought that will create. You don't know who's going to come after you and speak to them about Jesus again. We get to be links in a chain. You know, sometimes we get to sow a seed. Sometimes we get to close the chain and that's really exciting, but it's God's job. So really, I just want to say that it's over to us. This is down to us, it's down to you and it's down to me. We have got an incredible story to tell. We have got an incredible saviour to bring to others. We know Jesus personally. You do not need to have all the answers. You do not need to be um, a theologian. You know, all you need to know to introduce Jesus to someone is that you know Jesus. I do wonder what God is calling you into that you would do if you didn't think he wanted someone better. 
I wonder what you're missing out on because you're too scared to take a little risk. And I wonder who is missing out on hearing about Jesus because we assume they will reject him. So I just want to encourage us today to be people of God's presence. To remember that we carry his hope. We carry his light and his truth into everyday encounters wherever we are. So just before I hand back over to the band, um, maybe I could just pray for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I just thank you so much that we carry your presence, mm -hmm. that you are with us in our everyday encounters. Lord, would you still that voice that tells us we aren't good enough, that tells us someone better needs to do this? Would you help us to hear what you say about us, that we are yours, that we are chosen, that you've called us by name, and that you love us? Lord, help us to act out of that place and speak out of that place and not be afraid to share the love that you have for those around us. Lord, I just pray that you will raise up more workers in your harvest field, that more of us will have the courage to step out, to take a few risks, and be excited about telling people about our wonderful Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mm -hmm.